Welcome to The Master Plan, a property podcast. I'm Rebecca Shackleton from Polkadot Property. And I'm Nikita Jenkin from Scattered Recruitment. Nikita and I have come together to do this podcast with a goal of unpicking the complexities and the nuances of the property industry. We want to do that by interviewing guests who will offer insights on the industry and their career journeys. We're really excited to have you on this journey with us and we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. Today, we are thrilled to have my good friend and content creature extraordinaire, Emily Watson, join us. Emily is the creative director at The Content Creature, and she loves the magic of words. With an extensive background in property development, Emily's worked in the industry for more than 15 years, and she spent a decade of that in marketing roles. This is where she discovered her love for all things creative, marketing, and social media. Emily. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) Um, So we might jump right in. Um, I would love to um, sort of hear about your journey of your career, Mm -hmm. where you started um, and how you got here to uh, creative director of the content creature. You started out as a PA. Mm -hmm. I actually started as an office admin for Stockland in Perth. They were in South Perth at the time. I was very a young 19-year-old and, um, yeah, didn't know what I was doing, didn't know anything about the property Fresh industry. Fresh-eyed bushy-tailed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was very excited to work for this big corporate business and had no idea what was about to unfold in my career there. And, yeah, so I started as an office admin, moved into a PA role for a few years, and then I moved into the marketing team in the customer relations Field. And from there, I got transferred to the Melbourne office. I had an opportunity to come up, was meant to be for a year. I'm coming up to my, well, I just went past my eight years in Melbourne. So chocolate is good at that. They yeah. brought me down for a year as well. And that was 15 years ago. Yeah, I think they did that. There's a lot of Perth people that have, yeah. There's come. a lot of Perth people in property development. Yeah. There's a lot. I feel like it's actually sways the other way. So there's probably more people in from Perth than yeah. people but from Quite Melbourne. often they go back. So yeah. they'll come here and work here for a few years and then get married and have kids and, and yeah. move back to Perth. We've got some good friends that have been in Melbourne that have gone back to Perth. And in recruitment, I, I meet someone, my boss, Jeremy, he's from Perth as well. And I meet someone and I say, oh, do you know Jeremy or do you know this person? And everybody knows mm-hmm. everybody from Perth as well. It's like a little secret. Yeah. I think that's property cult. in general. I think, I think it's the culture as well. Like when you're in Perth and you're in the property industry and then you hear of like the same kind of thing in Melbourne, but it's a better culture. It's just, yeah, too good a deal to kind of not take up and get over here. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've only been to Perth a few times mm-hmm. and... I describe it to people as like Canberra but with a beach, Jeez. a beautiful beach, <laughs> lovely beaches, but like just it's it's like a little country town. It is. It's beautiful. It's changing. I don't think it's anything like Canberra, but I'm probably very Perth positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not so much that I want to live there again. Um, so you're at Stockland in a PA role? Yes. Uh, what next? I went to mo- into CR, moved from Perth to Melbourne. Just for everyone listening, CR. Yeah, is customer relations. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then, what does the customer relations role involve oh in, at Stockland? Because I hear about these roles, but I don't really know what you do. It's dealing with resident. Um, so once they've settled, fencing. yeah, lots of fencing issues, complaints. Um, yeah, it's pretty much you're just there to be the contact person for. Is this up changed, until they it's move? It's changed now a lot. I think they have like a a new new system, they have a new team and everything. But when I was there, I was very much the person that all the complaints would come through to. But this is while your house is being built? 
Yes. And then obviously once you would move in, there would be Events. owner's corp or other situations involved. You, mm-hmm. The customer relations function would finish. Yeah. Uh, Not yeah. in a residential community. No. There's no owner's corporation or anything like that, but there's often... Um, people need to get their fences done as an example and they need to contact their, their neighbours so that they can share a cost. So they contact Emily and she would help facilitate that. So are you their contact for the life of them living in this property? You hand it over to council at some point. Um, so like the, some of the inquiries you would get would be about parks and roads and like issues that have popped up. And so like if it was in with our, within our um, time frame of looking after that, we'd kind of deal with it. Otherwise, like, no, you're over to council now. You have to get in touch with them. And so then you moved across to Satterley. Mm-hmm. What um, brought that <laughs> decision? Had you just had, you'd been there nearly 10 years at Stockland. So was it yeah, just natural? I I, when I left, it was 10 years. Um, Beck got in touch with me um, and they created a new role at Satterley, a uh, community development manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was obviously very much more what I wanted to get into. I was looking to get into more of a marketing role um, at Stockland and then this popped up and it was more around like events, um, community sponsorship and initiatives. Um, and that's something that Satterley has always done incredibly well and I think probably, um, you know, one of the the leaders in the industry at understanding community and putting on events and activities to really engage people and and to um, have that as a strategy. So mm-hmm. Emily was a really great fit for us to come in and work less on the complaints and the fencing and all mm-hmm. that kind of side of it and more on how do we actually engage the community, yeah. what type of, type of events do we want to do. And Nigel Satterley particularly has really built the brand on that community engagement yeah. and cohesiveness in, in WA and we wanted to replicate that in Victoria. And then you started the content creature. Yeah. So in the mess of COVID, um, had a bit of time on my hands. I had a six-month-old daughter at home and I just wanted to use my brain <laughs> um, and has had some contacts who needed help with social media or content writing, um, which led to more clients just through word of mouth. And within a space of a month, I had about five clients um, and it just kind of took off from there. And I think it all happened very organically, which sums up my whole business as well. It's all about being organic and authentic and um, yeah, it's kind of just happened that way, and it's had great. you always wanted to start your own no. business? No, <laughs> never. It, just it was happened. never on my radar, and it's funny because and you were studying as well, so it was yes. something that you were focused on yeah. through your studies, and then yeah. that kind of helped um, the evolution. Yeah, but it was I honestly never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be. It was just something I didn't even think of. Um, my husband is a bit of an entrepreneur, and he wants to have his own business, so I always thought that was something for him. And it's crazy to think that. I've had this now for two years and, yeah, it's just, I still, like, pinch myself that I'm a business owner. I don't I don't think I quite believe it. So um, every business owner yeah, feels like that. So. <laughs> Could you explain in layman terms content marketing and why content is so important as part of the marketing strategy? Yeah, sure. It's a good one. I get asked this a lot. Uh, I was recently asked it. What is content and what, what do you actually do? Um, I get asked by family members all the time, my father-in-law, I hope he doesn't listen to this, got me a book recently, Social Media for New Businesses. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, he got that for you as a gift yeah. and thought it would be a, like yeah. for you to read. Yeah, because people just don't understand what I do or what, what this whole content marketing is. And I'm, the way I explained it, it was probably you could probably Google it and it would come up, but it's the creation and sharing of online materials, so your blogs, socials, podcasts videos, emails, 
um, to kind of engage your audience. So I kind of think of it as like marketing when you think of like signage or like even websites kind of, but like that's like getting hooking people in. Content marketing is like engaging them and retaining them. So getting them to stay. Yeah. Like the so you have the lead, the lead comes in, but then how do you entertain the yes. lead? How do you offer them value and keep them coming back and make them a loyal customer? Yeah. And do you, if you were working with a client on their content strategy, would you put forward a strategy which would include content pillars and mm-hmm. then write content which will relate specifically to the pillars and then that would um, provide a roadmap in terms of how you can engage your audience? Yeah, we'd look at... Um, audience personas at first is a big one as well. We'd look at tone of voice. We do the pillars um, and then build a bit of a content strategy around that. So everything that you're sharing or producing um, or distributing is uh, aligned to your audience and ensuring that you're engaging them and giving them the value that they want. So some examples of content pillars, obviously you'd have education, mm-hmm. um, product, what can is be another? anything. We have a lot of, we, we do a lot of personal now. So that can be a really good um, content pillar because people just want humanization. These days we do inspirational. So if you're inspiring someone to do something or be something, um, you said educational, aspirational, like anything really, you can probably turn into a content pillar. It's just about, yeah, what, what that is in like a value form. and. Is content marketing more than pretty pictures on Instagram? 100%. Yeah, definitely. I think it's probably not even that anymore. And I think even one of the trends that we're seeing this year is that um, people want more raw and authentic content, and which is visuals as well. Like you don't need to be aesthetically pleasing necessarily. Um, it's definitely more around, yeah, what message you're conveying and what brand you're putting out there. Yeah, it's, it's not really about the visuals that much anymore at all. Mm. And is that a challenge when you're sitting in front of a client mm-hmm. and in their mind content marketing is all around the pretty pictures on Instagram and and because they look at everything through such a brand lens, mm-hmm. how do you influence them to think about their strategy differently? And I guess as a follow-up question to that, how do you ensure that they um, value content marketing enough to make it as part of their overall business strategy. Mm, and I think it's a challenge to get that across to them because I feel like they come to us because they don't have the creativity to to build their content. So I think the challenge is probably more around what value you're offering with the content. Um, as in like as for me as a business owner to them, um it's more yeah around that and making sure that we're reporting on those values that our content is kind of providing to them and in turn providing to their business or brand again it's just showing them the value in it and showing them the results of you know businesses or brands that have um kind of prioritized content marketing and I'm very passionate about it and I kind of have these open and transparent conversations with people about you know why it's important in business and for your brand um and I think when they're coming to us they're kind of there already they just need a little bit of expertise or um something to get them over the line I think everyone kind of knows it's important it's just understanding what it is and why and then how that leads to outcomes Mm, yes or like how content um creates business or creates a presence yeah I know it's not the same um but 
within recruitment. And I think everything we do in life, every business, property development, marketing, recruitment, we are all aligning a customer and a or a purchaser with a product. Mm-hmm. So it all relates back to how you sell that product, how you sell yourself, and it's all related to the content. But something I try to do, which I've had a lot of success with, is push my own personal brand. Mm-hmm. And um, I just sort of try to push myself and my like things that I find funny or my sort of personal way of looking at things. And that's my content. And I do really, and my engagement and my, you know, presence, I think does better because it's, it's like targeted yeah. and it's, but it's authentic. But it's authentic well. is the word. And I'm it's your for. personality. So yeah. I think that's where it works really well. And from a st- strategic perspective, that's what you want. If you can create a voice which is authentic, which re- relates to the people and the audience that are listening to it or seeing it, yeah. that's half the battle. And we had Nick Sproul on and he was talking about the exact same thing, um, bringing humanity, you know, to to your to your business and, and your pillars and what you're putting out there into yeah. the into the environment. It's honestly a content pillar we include in all of our strategies personal. And it's one we try to it's it's our biggest challenge. And I, I understand why like people putting their face behind a brand can be scary. And like we get that. I when I first started this business, I was scared about it and but you kind of need to do it. And once you do, you see results. Like you honestly do. And it's true. Well, people, you had a viral, t- you had yeah. like a, <laughs> a viral is TikTok. it a viral TikTok or oh, a viral sorry, video? Real on Instagram. A yeah. viral reel. I'm not, <laughs> I think, Beck, you're the same. I, it's like the, that meme where it's like I wait for the Absolutely. TikToks to come onto Instagram Three weeks later. Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. have TikTok. <laughs> no idea. Um, but you had one go viral. So yeah. how many people saw that? Oh, I can't remember. I think it's up to 2 million. I told you, I'm so proud of you. I look at it all the time. <laughs> 2 million, it's amazing. according to Beck. And that's it. just like, like a 30-second video <laughs> yeah. that was probably something silly and you didn't think would go viral, and now yeah. 2 million people have been reached yeah. by. I mean, it was it was silly and it was a bit of a fun one, but it also it was very relevant to my audience and what it was kind of talking about the best times to post versus the worst time to post. Um, so a lot of people saw value in that because they want to know that. So yeah, it was it was offered a lot of value, and I think that's why it went. And I think Instagram and all the social media algorithm um, that you see across the board will prior it or will kind of um, boost posts that provide value and people want to engage with. Absolutely. So do you think it's important um, in terms of? So obviously you specialize in this, and the content creature specializes, and we talked to um, on to our last. Yes, Nick, about marketing teams and having people, you know, a digital marketer, branding strategy, et cetera. Can you talk about the value of using an agency, for example, or someone like you, who this is what you do all day, every day, whereas mm-hmm. someone who may be in a marketing function, who may be like me and doesn't have TikTok and doesn't really understand all of those things, yeah. what's the benefit of going to someone like yourself to do that for them? Yeah. So, the, I mean, the benefit is... So many benefits, but I mean, the biggest one that I kind of talk to people about is that we are, we're experts in it. We, we love social media. We know social media and it's ever evolved. It's an ever evolving world. It changes literally every day. There's trends and updates and there's different um, platforms as well. So, and we know which ones work best with which brands and there's that kind of that side of it. And then there's also the actual content side of it where we're very creative as well. We love creating content, we're not going to do a generic kind of post. And I see this across a lot of accounts where you could go on to five 
accounts in property. You're not going to name any. You go into five accounts and they're all very similar. Yeah, like they're pushing the same information. Yes. So therefore yeah. you're not different. And they're very promotional. Are you selling a family or are you yeah. selling a block of land or, you know, because there's always that kind of, you know, we often will go back to what's comfortable and yeah. what's comfortable is a happy family in a field and then that's what we'll use to put out on our content. And one is with one grandparent and one yeah. kindergartner yeah. holding hands. <laughs> holding hands, walking daffodils. to school with backpacks on. Um, <laughs> you know, and those those kind of assets are relevant and still important yeah, to the overall positioning of the brand. Yeah. However, I think that there's also much more strategic ways of, of looking at content yeah. and what your audience want to engage and with. And I honestly think there's so much opportunity, especially in the property industry, to shake things up with social media. I don't think there's been enough um, prioritising of it and I feel like it's going to take kind of one business to, yeah, try to shake things up and it'll just blow up for so sure. What's a brand in any category mm. that does content marketing, social marketing extraordinarily well? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I straight away think it's, oh, no, I don't want to plug another pro- podcast. <laughs> you can plug, plug another podcast. But I, I think of, like, um, shameless media. Mm-hmm. They do um, content marketing so well because, and I feel like they've done it so well from the very beginning because they've understood their audience and they know what they want and they deliver it. Like, day every day they deliver on that. And it's authentic and raw as well, even though it's a podcast and you record it and you edit it and... And whatnot, it's still very authentic. And yeah, they they would have a very good content marketing and marketing strategy overall. I think, and this is potentially very controversial, and some people will completely disagree with me, but the Kardashians as a brand, mm-hmm. I think that the way that they create and curate content and tell their stories and well, it's relentless. You know, that's relentless. Mm-hmm. But look at what they've built. It's just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, there's, um, and that's very different to what a, a corporate brand um, or a consumer brand would even do. But I think, you know, they just share everything. So yeah. maybe that's, you know, their strategy is, you know, where everything is content. Everything's up for Yeah, grabs. everything is content. Yeah. 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 And I feel like some people would be, would say, you know, they're not real, they're fake, but they're very, I, well, they're I, one they're of the largest real. businesses, essentially. Mm. Yeah. Whether it be a family, they're a business yeah. and one of the largest and most profitable in the world. Yeah. Mm. So you can't ignore this, yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. And then I guess switching back to property, because mm-hmm. um, that's probably what our audience wants to hear about rather I mean, than I, the Kardashians. I mean, I could speak about the Thinking about the future of content marketing and property, mm-hmm. what do you think the overall trends will be? And I'm really interested in user-generated content and how future residents are going to influence the content marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think in all content marketing, the future is UGC, user-generated content, um, and it is the humanization side of things that we talk about as well. I think brand, consumers just want personal content that they can relate to. Um, and user generated is just it's so it's so easy when you do it right. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you're offering a product or a service that people are loving, then why wouldn't they kind of talk about it or um, yeah, give you the content to then reshare? I'm trying to think. I thought of an example actually. I don't know if you saw um, Dan White, a comedian. He posted something. He tweet, tweeted this um, interaction that he was having with Toyota. And they've got, I don't even know how many followers, but obviously would have a lot. He 
over the space of two months, you messaged them a couple of times just saying goodnight and they would reply goodnight. Oh, yes, I did see this. (laughs) And then one day last month you messaged them saying start a new job tomorrow, feeling super nervous. And then they they wrote back. (laughs) They wrote back and said something along the lines of um, you've got this, stay confident, project confidence, smile, and remember they hired you for a reason and even had like a love heart emoji. And whoever can, was the bot behind that yeah. was a very smart bot. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's a bot. It's a person. Yeah, well, whoever the, they were. This is the point of it. Like that's a huge brand. Mm. And doing something so simple like that, like being a person. And being cheeky. And being cheeky. I like, wonder if they could tell you how many sales that generated so or then, how many. Okay, here we he go. Did, he did another tweet. I didn't read the full thing, but he did another tweet and it was something like, you know, this had so many reshares and comments and like it went viral. Yeah. I've done the calculations. This is how much money I've made, I've made for you. Yeah. Can you please send me a sticker? <laughs> and then they, they sent him a sticker. Oh, so his next photo was him with a sticker. Like it's so brilliant. Do you have clients coming to you going, we need to go viral? Yes. yes. That's like <laughs> every day. It doesn't have I mean, we've spoken about you going viral yeah. and this going viral. And unfortunately, not everyone can go viral. But uh, you know, do, do people come to you wanting that? They and do. how do you temper their expectations they do and I temper it by saying to them like why do you want to go viral like what is the purpose of this Mm -hmm. because yeah we went viral but and it's great for our brand and great they're like like, hey like we're selling social media and look we're doing social media really well but for a, a brand that wants to go viral like if if it's you know having more people come to you okay so then what are you doing with those people and like what are they doing with you because I know some of the time they'll just drop off anyway. Are they buying anything from you? Are they... Is it converting to a sale of a property? Or are they like promoting you? Are they doing anything for you? Like it's... I'd kind of prefer our client... I mean, obviously it'd be great if they had a huge following or whatever, but it's better to have a solid following of, you know, 200 people who are these loyal people that buy from you or promote for you rather than, you know, 10,000 people who just sit there and don't even engage with your content after that one viral post. And it does open up opportunity for people to be negative as well, particularly in property. I think if you you look at any ads on social media, there's always going to be a negative voice Mm -hmm. because there's always going to be people who are unable to access property and that's yeah. And, you know, I will say in. this as well. When we had, before our viral reel, we had 2,000 followers and our engagement, like the reach on our content was amazing. And it was just like made me so happy. Every time we posted, it did really well. We got over 10,000 followers after this reel. And it's dropped. It's dropped. No one sees our stuff anymore because it gets, gets lost in the mix. Like it's, mm. so it's not, yeah, this is what I say to my clients or people that come to us. I'm like, this is not something that you should be, aiming for there are so many other objectives that you should be trying to reach with social media Mm. and having someone like you who is an expert in this to explain all of that Mm. would probably be a bit more beneficial than say for example hiring someone as a social media specialist Mm -hmm. who's straight out of uni and potentially on facebook it's just posting on facebook and doesn't really know what they're doing and just using hashtags yeah uh and then but in that instead of having that potentially using that funds towards diversifying the team in more senior roles Mm -hmm. or more um, specific experience and using agencies to do different things. Recruitment fees to find you, you know, people who know what they're doing. Yeah. And I've had clients come to us saying like, we hired this person for social media, like they've got an internal person 
but they don't really know what to do and they don't they don't can't really think of content to create mm. and it's like well why did you hire them like, and this is why you should outsource it to someone who knows what they're doing and like you're right there's people out there that would love social media and think that posting on social media every day makes them oh I would think it's, it's hard work it like hard work. your own like my own Instagram putting up a picture gives me like stress <laughs> and anxiety and you do it all day every day for multiple how do you kind of juggle not feeling burnt out and overwhelmed and off my notifications. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of limit my screen time when I get home, which I don't I don't even want to go on my phone when I get home. Um, but I also kind of need to to keep up to date with what's happening and things like that. But um I just like monitor monitor it. And if I'm feeling burnt out, I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna have a break. I don't wanna I don't wanna post. And also yeah, we're on socials a lot, but we plan ahead a lot and we kind of have that allocated time each month to be like, this is what we're posting. We'll just schedule that in. And like for our clients, we do always schedule it in. That's done. All we need to worry about is the engagement side of things, interacting with accounts and things like that. So yeah, I think we just like monitor it. And if you're feeling like you're getting burnt out, just having a break. Touching on something you just said, turning screens off or limiting screen time at home mm. piqued my interest because I certainly don't do that. Mm-hmm. You're a working mum, mm-hmm. working parent, two gorgeous little girls at home. How do you balance being a business owner, having a team, bringing on new clients? Growing your Growing your business, business with, um, you know, two young girls and a new husband? <laughs> new husband. Um, well, I think Scott, my husband, has been my biggest supporter and I could not do it without him, that's for sure. I don't know. How do any of us do it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's know the blind I mean. leading the blind. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's just I feel like you need to have self-awareness and just check in with yourself every day. Okay, what am I doing today? What do I need to do? Am I giving my family the love that they deserve, the attention they deserve? Um, and I think just having that self-awareness and checking in every day makes you accountable and keeps Mm. you on top of it. And I think it's shifting expectations that you put on yourself. I think that we've been in environments where we've had quite a structured day every day. You work Mm -hmm. from eight or six or whatever it is. um, And you can't do that as a working parent. You know, you need to get your kids to to daycare or school and then you need to get dinner on the table and all of those things. So I think shifting for me, it was shifting that expectation that I would have a solid 10 hours to I might have six hours here and then I'll have four hours at the end of the night and that's okay. Like that's fine. And it's having those expectations with yourself, but then giving those expectations expectations to your clients or mm. stakeholders as well and yeah. being real and open with them and being like hey I'm um, I've got two girls at home and I feel like a lot of people a lot of our clients come to come to us because I don't know if this sounds floggy but like my face is the brand and they mm. come to me because they're like she's like a working mom she's hustling mm. um they can kind of relate to me so people then, might be scared about saying, I've got two kids, I can't yeah. do this right now. But really, the best clients you're going to have are the ones who you have those great relationships with because yeah. they understand that you yeah. are, that is your life exactly. and that family comes first, et cetera. Yeah. And they're not going, like, they're the clients you want to work for, that you'll do great work for, who will come back to you all because of this transparency. Yeah. The big property platforms, so REA, Domain, Etc. Mm-hmm. How are they using content, and how are, I, I'm really interested in how they're connecting content to paid advertising. But they're getting into more of the UGC user generated content, which is amazing. I think they've done that well for quite a while, and they 
share a lot of like data and insights as well. They have a lot of experts, which I think helps. Yeah, like but I think they economists, etc., do really well at knowing who their audience is and what value they can provide. So they do really well at that. Um, is there opportunity for them to do even better? Absolutely. I think there's opportunity for everyone to do better, but feel like there could be, it could be quite generic and a bit cookie cutter across the industry. So there's definitely opportunity to shake things up there. And another question, mm. AI, mm. chat GPT. Here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. Chat GPT. It, it, you know, content is an area that people could use AI for mm-hmm. to generate content and to write blogs and to even write Facebook posts or LinkedIn posts. Mm-hmm. How do you think that's going to influence content marketing in general and what are some of the pitfalls that people should be uh, considerate of? I think it's like a really daunting trend that's emerging really fast this year, like mm-hmm. very fast. And there's pros and cons. I think yeah, brands can produce a lot more content in a lot less time. But for us, you know, we focus on that creativity and the authentic and original content. And social media especially is all about original content and they're going to they're gonna be pushing that a lot more this year. So how much can I, AI come up with, yeah, original content? I'm, I'm sceptical. But on the other, other hand, it's great for those data and insights and great for planning and scheduling. So it can save you time in that. And even we've got And a, maybe more written content as opposed to like yeah. and it, video. And it and would image. be, but again, like is that is it going to be creative and original enough? I always find that it's much easier to read and edit content that's already done and kind of rewrite it mm. than start it from scratch. Mm. So if you've kind of got a base level of content there, then you can go through it. And I think that's where it will save time. Yeah. Where you could use this content that's been generated, but actually make sure that it's got the right tone, that it's got the right emotion, that it's got, you know, it's representing your brand and yeah. the way that you want to speak. But, you know, it does a lot of that kind of pulling data from different places and, and yeah. really help helping to formulate So if you're that. using that, yeah, in the right way, then... Definitely, that's great. Um, but it's making sure that you've still you're still doing something original. And I, you know, when we talk about humanization and making things personal, yeah, doing it originally mm. is going to be the best way around that. Do the two of you have any um, advice for people wanting to leave the corporate world and to start their own business? You've both done it. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I don't know if it's for me. But can, is there anything you would do again or do differently? I mean, advice would be just back yourself, but another piece of advice I would give is don't just start a business for the sake of starting a business. Like we've had people come to us and they're like, I've got this product, I've got this service, but I just can't sell it. And like first thing I say is like, so who is it for? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, so who did you create this thing for? And they're like, well, just anyone who wants it. And it's almost <laughs> like someone comes to you, no, someone wakes up one day and they're like, I'm going to. I want to run a business today. I'm going to make a purple rock. (laughs) (laughs) No one has done a purple rock before. So I'm going to make it. It's so innovative. It's going to go global. People will love it. So I'm going to create a hundred of them, sell those, make some money, make some more. But then who wants a purple rock? You can't just make something and then market it and it's going to go. So you need to be, you know, solving a problem or offering that value. So this comes back to that authenticity about you wanting to start a business because you believe in something mm. or you believe in your 
ability. Yeah, that as well as that there is a need for it. You need to have, there needs to be a market. So yeah. you need to be confident that there's a gap in the market mm. that you can fill and provide value for. So with Polkadot, there's, you know, I've got an extensive network of people in the property industry and I know that they've got different types of, of teams in place. They've got projects at different phases and I was really confident that I would be able to provide a senior level of marketing and, and sales strategic advice and support to those businesses throughout their kind of their, their journeys with their with their properties. And that's, um for me, that was the gap that I saw and what I, I saw the opportunity to fill. But you need to do that. And I think, as Em said, definitely back yourself. Mm-hmm. Take the time and the space to really build out, and this sounds, um, you know, but build your strategy. Make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure you know what your value is, what your purpose is, who your audience is, so where market is. So mm-hmm. we kind of intrinsically get it. You do that all day. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, you know, and and create a brand. Make sure your website, make sure everything that you're putting into market represents you as a business, as an individual, and that your brand reflects the quality that you'll be able to provide to future clients. Do you have any uh, advice for someone who is wanting to get into um, social media marketing or what content creation uh you know, to like if someone wanted to come work for you, what would you be looking for within their portfolio or within their skill set? Uh, definitely creativity. If like, I mean, anyone could probably do it. If they wanted to, they could probably do it. But to do it well. To do it well and to do it differently and to stand out in a very saturated industry, you definitely need to be creative and you need to be confident in using that creativity. And um, it's something that I kind of look for when I'm looking at growing my team. Um, is this person creative and am I going to be able to just give them a license to be creative and trust them? And obviously, you know, there's going to be a, a period where they need to build up their confidence. But, yeah, having that from the get-go and you, knowing that you that they have that creativity is, is huge in this space. Um, and probably resilience. Resilience, yeah. Like there's a lot of trolls on social media. There's a yeah. lot of knockbacks. There's a lot of people saying this is not funny. Mm. You know, you have to have a really strong, resilient mindset to keep posting every day. Yeah, and I also think, and it's probably the same thing with most marketing channels, brands have an idea of what they want to put out in terms of content and you kind of need to sway them sometimes because what they think is a great content marketing strategy or even just content in general may not actually be. Well, like the grandpa and the child in the field, it's been yeah. done, yeah. right? It's exactly. been done. Yeah. Let's find something else. Yeah. And so you kind of do have to have a bit of, what's the word, confidence, a bit of oomph to be like, this isn't working. Um, this is very generic or this is, you know, there's opportunity to do this instead. And like, so you have media, to be brave. You have to be brave. And thinking about your career in property, 15 years is a long time to spend in property. What elements from your property career have you been able to take and use in, in your new business? Well, I think my property career has what is what has led me to realize what I love doing and that's connecting people and engaging and helping people engage with each other and engage with a product or service. So I think I think that's what's led me to this role and for me to have this business. Like I don't think, and I think if you probably would have asked me five years ago, and you probably did ask me back, what do you want to be when you grow up? I had no idea. Um, but I knew that it was in the space of 
um, like community engagement and like connecting people or um, events and activations and things like that. So um, I and think, I think that's okay for anyone out yeah, there that's yeah. listening to this who's young and you don't know what you want to do when you grow up. It's okay to be in your 20s and your 30s and not really know what you, what your, your path is going to be because you can absolutely change directions and or you can stay in the same direction and still have a really fulfilling career and, and life. So I never thought I was going to be a recruiter in the property development <laughs> field two years ago, let alone <laughs> when I was younger. And I'm still not grown up and I still can't believe I'm here, but I love my job. And sometimes it happens like that. You just fall into the greatest career path you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Good sliding doors moments, I think, Mm -hmm. in everyone's career that leads you to where you should be. And I think it's really important to to always know that, you know, the path that you're on is the right one. Yeah, for sure. We're getting very deep here, aren't we? (laughs) Well, that's what a podcast is for, (laughs) is to deep dive and go deep. (laughs) Um, if you could influence one of your property clients to do anything, what would it be? Shake things up. I mean, we've spoken about it, you know, don't do the cookie cutter. And, I mean, outsource your socials. Not a plug, but honestly, just give it a go. See what happens. Yeah, what, could, what have you got to lose? Exactly. Like, try. Exactly. And I think, I think there is this feeling in the industry where people want to kind of keep things in-house, but some things you just need to outsource and... Um, that would probably be my biggest thing because I think the property industry hasn't prioritised social media and, and probably hasn't really needed to. They've probably more prioritised your email marketing and mm-hmm. customer experience overall, which is great, like needed to happen. Um, but I think now you need to look at your social media efforts and um, see what can be done there because you have these communities, you have these people that are, are sitting there wanting to be engaged, engaged and connected. Yeah. yeah. And social media is where that yeah. needs to happen. I agree. Look, and I think, you know, the benefit of outsourcing different functions in the marketing space frees up your team to mm-hmm. really, you know, get deep into the strategy and really drive the brand and really pos- make sure that the positioning of the project is where it needs to be. So yeah. I think, yeah. And a good agency as well will just feel like an extension of your team. Mm-hmm. Like we would, we, we would do on-site visits every week. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, you know, with some of our clients, even we do real and TikTok sessions where we record videos and we come with, because obviously video. Can I come to one, one yeah. of those? Because we can I do one if you want. I don't understand. I wait for the, I think I said this, but I wait for the reels to come onto Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we do like, we, we're very, we don't just, you know, take on work and then disappear. We're very um, much an extension of the team and we'll work with that internal team to make sure everyone's working cohesively and we're, you know, promoting the right brand and tone of voice. Mm. I just wanted to talk about your team, your Mm. team that you've built over the last 18 months. Mm -hmm. What's the most important thing to consider and contemplate when you're in a startup environment Mm -hmm. and you're bringing on new young people? How do you make sure that they continue to stay engaged, that they're continuing to grow and that they're Mm -hmm. getting a lot out of their career? I mean, as long as you're hiring people that want to work where we work and they want to do what we do, that's the biggest thing. And I'm no no expert in recruitment. You would probably be better at answering this, but... I've definitely, and I mean, I've got two girls working with me at the moment, um, one who's been with me for almost the whole time I've had the content creature and she's amazing. 
she was probably the fourth person I interviewed and we just clicked straight away and I just had a feeling, trusted my intuition Mm -hmm. and went with her and haven't regretted it since. And then my newer girl started last year and we actually met. I tried on a bridal wedding dress at her bridal shop where she was working and so I was in the change room naked <laughs> we're having a chat <laughs> asked what she was doing she was like just finished uni she's got a marketing degree and I was like oh that's interesting got her business card and then do you always interview people new? is that a <laughs> definitely maybe that's a tactic I haven't <laughs> tried it I'll let you know how I go <laughs> you should definitely try it with if right anyone's person. gonna try it it's gonna be me nude, <laughs> nude recruitment with Nikita it's the next segment <laughs> It's, it's quite low. It's I like it, actually. All right. I'll just, we'll come back to it. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of months later, gave her a call and said, hey, what are you doing? And, again, it was just we we clicked and um, I could just. you yeah. could. So, basically, uh, let me, I don't want to speak for you, but yeah. you saw something in her yeah. and it wasn't necessarily her resume or her, you know, detailed written skill set that yeah. she had done this, this, this and this previously. Yeah. It was that you had a feeling and you had like, how do I say, you had confidence that she would be a great fit because a lot of people to me interview candidates and they go, oh, yep, they'd be a great cultural fit and we really like them. Um, We can see them fitting in with our team, but they haven't done this, this, and this. And I think, okay, but you're going to, you're potentially going to interview a candidate who has done this, this, and this, and they're not going to be a beautiful fit culturally for you, for your business, for your team. So having an open mind and not just narrow-minded on a certain skill set because this person was working in a wedding shop. She hadn't had external experience, I'm assuming, and now she's one of your core members of your team and doing great things for you. So being a leader or a, a mentor, a business owner, a hiring manager who can think outside those constraints. Yeah. And I think it's a, a, you would probably agree, it's an attitude with people as well. Like, yeah, you can have all those um, qualifications and and whatnot, but like an attitude is such a big one, especially I think being like my own business owner, like I just want someone with the right attitude. And if they don't, you can't change that. Like an attitude, mm. you can't change. You can't teach. No. So that's another big one as well. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned transitioning from a corporate environment to a startup environment and starting your own business? There are so many. <laughs> there are so many lessons. My biggest one would probably be becoming a manager. Like, you know, just as much as I never thought I'd be a business owner, I never thought I'd be a manager. I had no desire to be a manager. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> um, it's not for me. I don't like to manage no, people. I only care I about love it. But when you're Number a business one. owner, you need to manage people. When you have a team, you need to manage people. And I'm, I feel like I'm, I am growing to love it. I'm still learning every day. Um, and that's probably been my biggest challenge and lesson. If you could jump in a time machine. And start the content creature again. Would you have a do-over? Again and again. No, I'd, I'd do it exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, again and again. I, I'm so proud of what we've created. And we have. I have challenging weeks. I have weeks where I cry, <laughs> days where I cry. You also um, have two young children. <laughs> but I would do it again and again because I feel like every time I have a challenge or something happens, it's happened, it's 100% happened for a reason and there's something else around the corner mm. that just kind of fills that spot and, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, uh, Em. We're still new at this, so. I'm excited for you guys. I think it's, yeah, podcasts. 
We've known each other for a long time. I'm immensely proud of you and everything that you've done. So thank you for coming and sharing your experience with us and your journey with us. Thank you. So with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you also to our sponsors, Polkadot Property, a small but mighty marketing consultancy connecting people to place. And Scouted, your go-to for property and construction recruitment. To scout is to seek, to be scouted is to be found. If you'd like to get involved, you can reach out to Nikita and I at the masterplanpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Bye.